It has been a classic battle of the giants in the patent courts. And we're talking about, of course, the battle between Apple on the one hand and Samsung on the other hand. Both of them being, if you will, two titans of telephones or smartphones, if you will, that are out there right now. And it has been something that has been a bit of a bloody battle that all of us have kind of you know, watched from the sidelines to help us understand the decisions that have been reached in this, uh, I guess you could call it, momentous case. Uh, we called upon Randall Peck, who was one of the patent attorneys with Warner, Norcross, and Judd a uh, firm of attorneys in Southfield, Michigan. And Randy, thank you very much for joining us to help explain what's happened here finally. Well, my pleasure, Foster. I appreciate the opportunity, and thank you for having me. We thought we'd call on you particularly because of your background as a patent attorney. What was at stake in this particular trial? It's been sort of an interesting evolution uh, in the sort of global battle between Apple and Samsung. What the media sort of focused on in the past was the original trial that resulted in over a billion dollars uh, awarded to Apple was more or less for hardware, hardware and the look and feel of an iPhone. And so it had more to do with hardware. This uh, more recent trial where the decision was just rendered uh, last week had more to do with the software and the functionality of the iPhone itself mm -hmm. as compared to the Android system that's on Samsung phones. So essentially, a Apple was suing for infringement of many of the features built into iPhones like the slide to unlock and background syncing and things mm -hmm. like that. So the first trial uh, ended with a substantial award going to Apple. Uh, the way this has been depicted is uh, this is kind of a draw. Would you characterize the results that came out this past week as a draw? Well, it's a great question. You know, it's it, at the end of the day, Apple was awarded an, another 120 million, which is not an insignificant amount of money. But at the same time, they were seeking 2.2 billion dollars right. in damages, and they also hope to get a permanent injunction to prevent Samsung from selling uh, its phones in the United States. And obviously, they didn't get either of those, mm -hmm. and so. Because Samsung can still sell, and realistically, 120 million is is bizarrely a drop in the bucket for either <laughs> yes. of these corporations. I would say that it's it's more of a win for Samsung, even though they were found guilty of uh, patent infringement. Now, that's interesting, because uh, in some ways it looks like with all the verdicts, uh, with all the damages being awarded uh, to Apple, as a bystander, I'd say it looks like Apple won, but you're saying that Samsung won. How would Why is that? Uh, well, you know, in patent law, one of the biggest things you can attempt to get is an injunction to prevent your competitors from selling products that infringe on your patents. Right. Uh, a, a simple example of that is in the automotive industry. If you're making a, a component for a vehicle, that component is only used in the vehicle. So if you're selling it, you're buying it for that purpose. And so you can easily establish that, you know, you need a ban on those products to prevent your competitors from infringing your rights. When it comes to software and things like these phones, uh, in order for Apple to get an injunction against Samsung, they have to prove that there's some sort of casual nexus between the actual patented technology itself and the irreparable harm that they would face if uh, the ban were not to go into effect. I see. So that being said, when you have a, an operating system like iOS and you look at how many features it has, even with a valuable feature like Slide to Unlock, it's very, very hard and difficult uh, to, to pinpoint, uh, you know, irreparable harm from that particular feature when there's really a, 
you know, myriad of features on a phone. We're talking to Randy Peck, who is one of the attorneys with uh, Warner Norcross and Judd. He's a patent attorney. It has been said, for instance, that you mentioned the slide to unlock, uh, that it's such a universal gesture that it's almost like trying to patent round. Uh, it, it certainly proceeds that way, and there's a couple important distinctions to make. Uh, I know that a lot of people were relatively upset, uh, you know, from the perception that Apple was able to patent a rectangular device with rounded corners and things like that. But at the end of the day, uh, that patent had to do with a design patent, which is really a non-functional, ornamental, aesthetic design, which is much different than a traditional patent that has to do with an actual invention itself. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, slide to unlock is ubiquitous as it may seem now. If you go back to the actual date when they filed that application, it was not utilized in anything. And, and by and large, even, uh, you know, multi-touch phones That's true. <laughs> did not yet come into existence. And so, really, the focus has to be the time when that patent was filed and the industry progresses so quickly it's easy to look now in 2014 and think that slide to unlock looks like a, a gimmicky feature that is right. obvious but if you go back in time to 2005 it's sort of a, a different standard absolutely so randy that the real key if you are a patent holder is to get essentially a court to permanently enjoin your competitors from using that particular thing so that you become the sole source for that particular design or function Absolutely. That, that's the limited monopoly that you are granted by virtue of your patent rights. And, uh, you know, if, if Apple didn't have to compete with Samsung in the United States, certainly their sales would rise. What are some of the other patents? We, we mentioned just a few of them in, in passing here. There were, there were a lot of the other ones in terms of gestures and things like that. Was anything caught your eye as you uh, watched the, uh, the results? Well, overall, it's going to be very interesting because, like I said, all of the Apple patents and Samsung patents that were at issue in this trial related to software. And so software patents are are sort of an interesting area of patent law right now because there's a large segment of the public that thinks that software should not be patented at all, mm-hmm. uh, particularly because of the open source movement and incremental improvements occur so quickly in that area as compared to others. Uh, so there is going to be a Supreme Court case uh, commonly granted cert to determine whether software patents uh, are even viable in the first place. Mm. So it's going to be very interesting to watch to see how uh, the forthcoming Supreme Court decision impacts sort of both Apple and Samsung and mm. the industry as a whole. That That is a hugely important point. I, I guess that comes down to my next question. And what does all of this mean then for consumers, the people who use those smartphones, whether they're Samsungs or iPhones or whatever they may be? Well, at the end of the day, uh, you know, there's going to be uh, no limitations as to the availability of any of the phones that were found to be infringing. And so more and more in this industry, it looks like uh, there will never, ever be bans on sales of infringing phones, and any phone manufacturer that's found to infringe others' patents will just have to pay a licensing fee. So at the end of the day, in theory, it could increase costs to consumers, uh-huh. but I don't think those costs have yet been realized, at least you know, comparing uh, cost of current phones to how they were prior to these suits. So, in the end, the consumers are going to pick up the tab on this. <laughs> well, you, you would think so. If Samsung <laughs> has to pay $120 million, it's yeah. got to come from somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but and, now, you mentioned licensing fees, and maybe you can help me understand that. When all the dust settles, uh, they will be able to, con- let's say Samsung will be able to continue to use 
some of these uh, software or, or maybe some of the other um, hardware elements if they pay a license fee? And that's the ongoing, if you will, benefit to Apple? Uh, correct. So what the court will look at when they, when they determine that there is infringement is they'll initially try to determine what the lost profits to Apple uh, actually are. And in this case, it's incredibly difficult to, to determine that because you can look at the total volume of Samsung phones that were sold. But even after doing that, how many of those phones were actually sold because they included this patented technology of Apple's? Mm. Uh, you have to determine that through consumer surveys and things like that. Mm-hmm. Even if you find that people are buying these phones because they like that software, there are still other features on Android software that appeal to consumers. And so at the end of the day, when you can't really pinpoint... Uh, lost profits, you have to look at sort of a hypothetical negotiation and what a reasonable royalty would be. And so then at the end of the day, if, if it is an infringing item, there is uh, sort of a, a set nominal value uh, for each item that is sold that infringes the patent. So mm-hmm. it will be an ongoing revenue stream to Apple, yes. We're talking with Randall Peck, who is a patent attorney with uh, Warner Norcross and Judd. Randy, as we're we're talking about these things, I understand that the after the weekend, the um, jury came back and did some deliberation about some of the older phones, like it was a Samsung, I think, uh, Galaxy 3 uh, that was uh, judged to have been infringing, but there had been no penalties imposed at that time. Yeah, interestingly, on the, the, the jury verdict form, they had found infringement by some devices, but failed to allocate any actual damages. And so... Uh, after the weekend, the judge sort of sent them back to, to re-deliberate and re-look at those issues, and it appears to be some form of, a, of clerical error, which didn't actually impact the damage uh, in the aggregate too much, just sort of reallocating between each patent and each... Uh, I see. Okay. Kind of shuffling the, the numbers around rather than having a, exactly. a huge impact exactly. on the amount of money, et cetera. What, what do you think will be the final outcome of this, the final f- fallout of this, what has been kind of a classic you know, battle of the titans. Let's start with maybe in the in the smartphone industry, and then let's talk about you know businesses or people maybe who are listening to this who have an invention and think, gee, can I ever protect what I have? Sure, and, and, and certainly you can. I think that uh, you know these trials and these huge verdicts uh, really sort of highlight the importance and the value in, in patents in any industry, and particularly in this, this mobile phone industry, because, you know, over the last couple of years, we're talking uh, close to $1.2 billion from flowing from Samsung to Apple. And so it, it, there's a lot of issues at play, and it's going to be somewhat interesting because, because of the fact that this had to do with software, Samsung is utilizing Google software on their phones, yet Google is not a party to this lawsuit. Mm. So interestingly, Google and Android, Android is open source, which Google sort of gives to manufacturers for free to utilize on their, their phones, mm-hmm. hoping to, to draw some uh, advertising revenue from that. That's been their genius. So, <laughs> absolutely. So, so given that, it's sort of interesting that they can sort of be a, a secret party that it's not subject to these lawsuits. Mm. Apple will actually go after the manufacturers that they can point to and actually look to sales numbers and things like that. And realistically, I, I know that, you know, when, when Steve Jobs was alive, he really wanted to, to go after Samsung and Google and oh, yes. put it as a nuclear war. Yeah, exactly, the, therm- I, the thermonuclear option. <laughs> exactly. And the way that this is, has sort of come down is, for Apple, I would say this is a very anticlimactic finish to mm. their thermonuclear war. And so, <laughs> it certainly is. Given the amount that they've spent on attorneys and public oh, yeah. perception, 
it will be interesting to see if they continue to uh, as aggressively enforce their patent rights against Samsung and others moving forward. It, it's almost as if the, this were also being tried in the court of public opinion at the same time, and it doesn't look like either one of them come out uh, came out to be, well, particularly their winner. You're absolutely right. I mean, uh, the public can perceive Apple as sort of being a bully that has patents that it, it shouldn't have ever been granted, whereas people can view Samsung as mm-hmm. a copier and an mm-hmm. infringer. And the way that they portrayed it, they're, they're playing out the trial both in the courts and in the, the court of public opinion, as you mentioned. As a patent attorney, let's uh, maybe step back a little bit of this and, and try to apply this to people who are in business and who are in the business. Uh, it's the state of Michigan we're talking about trying to create a, a new economy and one that very much is digital. And there are people who are developing software. There are people who, you know, uh, maybe even hardware processes, etc., what are the intellectual process, uh, pardon me, the intellectual property lessons that can be drawn from this experience? Well, I think this experience really highlights the importance of actually engaging a patent attorney and pursuing patent protection on anything you think may have value to you or to another company that you can ultimately try to license it to. And by that I mean, as, as ridiculous as some, some consumers and some members of the public might think a slide-to-unlock patent might be, if you're sitting in your basement and you invent something like that, I think this case highlights the value in something like that when Apple's awarded $120 million and is upset with that sort of award. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think it, it really highlights the importance of uh, looking to, to try to protect your intellectual property and your innovations, regardless of how incremental you may perceive them to be, to really build a portfolio and, and build some intellectual capital. Could it possibly be also, though, that the outcome of the trial is kind of a draw? It, it is almost as if, no matter how well you try to protect it, your designs, your software, may be grabbed by somebody else. And there, is there just no way to protect what I've developed? Well, there's certainly a way to protect it. You know, maybe $120 million is, is insignificant to Samsung, but if you were a small startup in Detroit who had right. come up with some of this stuff and ultimately licensed it, that would be a, an absolutely incredible revenue stream tied to, uh, you know, an incredibly right. low overhead innovation in terms of the actual software features that were the focus of at least this particular case. But that lesson can be applied, I think, somewhat across the board. Mm-hmm. Do, do you think we can expect more appeals now after this, or have we finally, has the dust finally settled? Have there been enough wounds inflicted on both sides that to go on would be, uh, as they say, a pyrrhic victory? I totally expect it to go on to the next appeal stage. Uh, so it will be interesting to see um, how far that ultimately goes. Mm-hmm. But certainly with, with both parties expressing their frustration with the recent verdicts, and with uh, the history between Apple and Samsung, I expect this to continue. Randall Peck is a patent attorney with uh, Warner Norcross and Judd. Maybe one thing, Randy, at the end we can ask for, uh, because you, you mentioned it before, it sounds like something that's on the horizon here um, is the Supreme Court decision about software. There's a lot at stake there. That decision could have a huge impact on intellectual property. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It would completely reshape Silicon Valley if, if it moved toward a, a non-patented system for software because essentially everything would in some respects become open source, although you would see, I think, a lot more proprietary type systems uh, where you know, uh. software or not the code is, is not released to the extent possible to try to keep some of that stuff proprietary, whereas 
now if, if it's patented, you can freely disclose your code without re- real fear of, of people uh, sort of taking your intellectual property from you. When will that case come before the Supreme Court? Well, they, they granted uh, cert last year, so um, I, I don't believe that there are any oral arguments that are scheduled for that yet, but I'm not entirely sure. But okay. I would expect probably within the next year that we will have a decision. So between 2014 2015, there should be some significant decisions made at the Supreme Court level about uh, patents and software patents in particular, right? That is correct, yes. Thank you, Randy, for, for being here to kind of help us understand a little bit on the broader picture of what's happened with this decision between Samsung and Apple. It, it is certainly will be appealed. We haven't seen the last of the dust settling, but it does seem that the more significant decision is the one that's going to be made at the Supreme Court level, and that's coming up in, in the near future. Thank you very much for helping us to understand the situation. Well, thank you, Foster. I appreciate your time.